Welcome to the greatest podcast in sports betting entertainment. My name is Tanner Kern, certified G, bona fide stud, and you can't teach that. In this right here, this is G Money Grant Mitchell. He crushed Thanksgiving Day picks, his commanders blow, and you can't teach that. Bada boom, man the people in the room. Grant, welcome into a Black Friday edition of Ride the Line. Sticks and stones may hurt me, but words can't break me. Whatever the phrase is, Tanner. I said that I said take the cowboy spread. I knew the cowboys or the commanders were gonna lose big. It is what it is. We can't beat Dallas. We're not gonna beat America's team in their home stadium in on Thanksgiving. So it is what it is. But it was a good Thanksgiving for me. How would you how about you? How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. I, I will literally say that the Dallas Cowboys stuck turkey legs in the <laughs> Salvation Army because they knew they were gonna beat your ass that bad that they would be eating turkey legs by the end of the game. That's pretty embarrassing. Like if we would have known that from a betting perspective, like like not many people took the commanders in general, but if a team stuck turkey legs in the Salvation Army cup or whatever the hell it is. Nobody would have taken the commanders. They would have been all over the Cowboys because they wanted to eat those. You know what's amazing too is Dak Prescott looks like he should be in the MVP conversation, but Dallas hasn't beat a team with a winning record yet, have they? No, they haven't. They haven't had that many chances to, but they haven't been able to beat one with a winning record. Like if you look at their schedule, I'll pull it up here real quick. Actually, if they haven't beat a team with a winning record, that means they've only played two teams with a winning record. It would be the Eagles and the Niners, and they lost to both of them. Yeah. Oh, they did lose to the Cardinals early in the season. Yeah, but the Cardinals are a losing record. Losing so. record. I'm just so three losses though, but one was against the Dogwater Cardinals. So yeah, Giants, Jets, Patriots. So three quality wins right there. Chargers, <laughs> Rams. Chargers are okay. Giants, Panthers, Commanders. Yeah, they have just not been challenged at all. Their second half gets a lot tougher though. You go Seahawks, who based on what we saw on Thanksgiving are terrible. Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, and then they finish with a cakewalk game against the Commanders in Washington. Well, that was the game that got them last year. That was Sam Howell's first ever start. Commanders won 26-6 game in Washington, and Dallas had something to play for there. I'll say this. Sam Howell needs to figure it out. Sam Howell needs to It's not to Sam Howell's fault. The line is awful. We were talking about this before we started recording. The play calling, that fourth and one play, I know you brought it up where they did the little inside trap. That was just horrendous. I don't know why we're going shotgun, running into the teeth of their defensive line on fourth down, but I wouldn't blame Sam Howell. He, he's a young player. This is still technically his rookie season. I mean, this was like his, what, 11th, 12th start. So not a whole lot of experience. The offensive line is awful. I know we love Terry McLaurin and some of these receivers, but they're not still not the best in the league. It just got to overhaul a lot of things. I wouldn't give up on him yet. He just needs to like smile. Like he just lo- he looks like he has nothing going on upstairs. Like no matter what happens, like he looks like that's just blank. There's this like, like, like once he threw the pick six yesterday, he did come off the field. He's like, hmm. but like other than that, it's pretty just, you know, yeah, no, I agree. With you. I agree with you. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to be. It's hard not to be a little depressed watching this team play sometimes. So I imagine if you're the quarterback of the team, it's it's not the best feeling in the world. Yeah, definitely. All right, Grant, let's get into some picks. But before we do that, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, lock it up, comment on who you're taking this weekend in the NFL. It's a big weekend here in week 12. So let us know what's going on there. And also like share subscribe do it all help us out guys we really appreciate everyone who's joining the ride the line army yep 100 all right 
I know that Tanner and I are sharing a pick to start the show here, so that's the game that we might as well start with. We're going to talk about the Bills and the Eagles, and I'll tell you right now, if you thought we were taking the Bills, you should go ahead and click off of this video. We like the Eagles at minus three. Um, this line was minus three and a half, and it still is in some sports books, but a majority of them have dropped down to minus three, which is even better if you're an Eagles fan because, you know, you can push on the field goal. But when you look at what the Eagles have been able to do so far, Tanner, I don't know about you. I don't think they've played a single great game, and they are still nine and one. I don't, I don't watch them play and think they're better than they were last year. But they're nine and one with a just got a huge win on the road against the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. That you, you know, that's that's your, the one team that you really wanted to beat to prove to yourself that you could do it, and you were able to do it. Now you're taking on a Bills team that, yeah, they were a top contender in years past, but they're just fighting to get stay above 500 right now. If they lose this game, they're six and six. They basically got you know very. Very little hope of making the playoffs. Josh Allen bounced back, but I mean, it was against a Jets team that didn't have any semblance of an offense. So it was almost unfair from the beginning because you got a team with an offense and a defense versus a team with only a defense. I just don't think the Bills are that good. I think the Eagles are hot, but with the opportunity to be much, much hotter. I think they can play much better than they already are. So I'll be taking the Eagles here. The Eagles got to fix their secondary. That's that's their biggest issue. Like if they have a bad secondary, as bad as they have moving throughout the playoffs, someone's going to get the best of them, whether it's the Niners or even Dallas, the way they look. I'm not saying Dallas is going to win the big game, but the Eagles do have to fix their secondary when it comes to playoff time. But right now, I believe they're going to roll the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are not back because Josh Allen had a good game against the Jets and the public loves the Bills. I don't know why. The public always loves the Bills. The Eagles are the better team in the spot. The Lions drop from three and a half down to three. Take advantage of that here. I think Jalen Hurts is playing with something to prove this offense is very good. It could quickly turn into a shootout because of the injuries that the Bills have on their defense and the lack of uh, lack of talent in the secondary for the Eagles here. But I like Philadelphia at home. It's hard to take Buffalo based on one win against the team where it was basically just practice for Josh Allen because he knew – he didn't, I and mean, Jets weren't going to score and match him. He could just sling it all over the field. And he was saying he was back after the game. So we'll see. This will be the test if they're back. They're fighting to stay afloat. I'm going with the Eagles, lay the points. To your point, with it's not just the public that loves the Bills. I mean, ESPN's FPI or whatever it's called. I know it's not a very good measure. I'm not trying to advocate for it, but it says the Bills are should be the favorites. It says they have a greater than 50% chance to win this game. And I just don't, I just don't understand that. I mean, They've, they haven't looked right on either side of the ball all year. Josh Allen, this is probably the most turnover prone he's been since his first or second year in the league. Tredavious White is injured. Matt Milano's injured. Von Miller can't play a full game. I, I just I don't see the value in this Bills team right now. Well, you know what it comes down to. These advanced analytics tools, and even like cold hard football facts, which I use all the time, um, they can't calculate this either in the sense of good teams find a way to win. The Buffalo Bills don't find ways to win. They don't find ways to cover. They don't find ways to put teams away. You can't track that with the stat, right? We go back to the Buffalo Bills schedule. They hadn't covered a spread since week four prior to last week against the New York Jets. They didn't cover against the Buccaneers. They failed to put them away. That ended up being a much closer game than it should have been, right? So there's all these moments for the Bills that you can go and say, okay, they might line up statistically and do things pretty well statistically, but Josh Allen throws a ton of ton of interceptions which hasn't necessarily hurt him in the quarterback rankings in the uh you know qbr but he still is not efficient with the football and the bills don't find ways to win so lean towards the eagles because they know how to win and they're playing with a chip on their shoulder this season and you know who has the best record against the spread in the nfl tanner the best record against the spread in the nfl it's 
Let me think. It's the it's an easy answer. It's right in front of you. Where? It's the it's the Eagles. They're six, two, and two. Six, two, and two. And then it doesn't it go Dolphins? Not it goes Dolphins, Philly. Not da- no, Philly, Dallas. Detroit was up there until yeah. uh the last two weeks because obviously they got yeah, they didn't go well from either one of them. Six, two, and two. Like I get the get the two ties out of here. Like, like they count, like I know whatever I know the site you're using. You're what team rankings? It's a 75% cover rate. I know it's good, but the two the the two ties, I don't know. Like whoever has more wins against the spread. Like what's, well, that's, what's okay, that's Dallas. They're eight and three. Yeah, it's like I would rather take eight and three over six, two, and two because I won five times, not four times. I mean, yeah, fair enough. I can understand your point. All right, let's go on over into the second game. I will kick us off here, um, and this is where Tanner and I start to separate. We've got different picks here. I like the Cleveland Browns at plus one and a half on the road against the Denver Broncos. Now, I know the Broncos have shown a lot of improvement, and ever since they gave up 70 points to the Dolphins, the defense has shrunk down, and it's allowing, I believe, 21, 20 or 21 points per game. Um, look a lot better on that side of the football. And then Russell Wilson in that offense, you know, they're clicking pretty well. Russ has one of the best touchdown to interception ratios in the league. I believe he's 19 touchdowns, four interceptions, five interceptions, something like that. Sean Payton has sort of forced him to change his style of quarterbacking. And I'm not trying to say Russell Wilson is an MVP candidate, still really struggles to throw for even 200 yards. But you can't argue with the fact that the Broncos are scoring more points. They're converting their third down. They're doing things they have to to win games, which is why they've been able to win four straight. With that being said, though, even though the Cleveland Browns are starting Dorian Thompson Robinson and it's his rookie season, he's only played two other games and didn't throw for 150 yards in either one of them. I think this defense is just so good. It, it's so, so good. They can get the quarterback on the ground. They force turnovers. They'll score points by themselves if they have to. Like I said, Denver is scoring, but they're not really moving the ball. Russ can't throw for 200 yards. When you're going against this Browns team, if you struggle to move the ball, they are literally not going to let you breathe. They are going to sack you. They're going to get you off the field three and out every possession you might have less than 50 yards going into halftime scores 14 to nothing you're thinking oh my god what do we do now the browns just keep it simple don't make dtr do too much run the ball with him run the ball with kareem hunt run the ball with jerome ford do everything you have to play smart defense and they can win this game it's really hard to look at the broncos stats right because they're very inflated just because of that Dolphins game. Like it continues to hurt them to this day in the stat sheet. The defense is not as bad as people think. The offense is not as bad as people think. I, I don't know if I can lean on the rookie quarterback here. I'd probably rather stay away from it than take a side in this game. But Broncos are hot. They're playing at home. It, it's an interesting game. I would just recommend staying away. But Grant, I don't mind the pick. You explained it well. Thank you. Thank you, Tanner. And now you will explain your second pick. Gus Edwards, plus 100. Anytime touchdown. This is this is amazing bet. This amazing value here because you look at Gus Edwards, usually in that like minus 130, minus 140 range for touchdowns. He will probably get back up to that, honestly, by kickoff. So lock this in as quickly as possible. It was plus 100 as of yesterday. When you look at Gus Edwards running the football, he is an absolute machine and he's still the feature back for the Baltimore Ravens. Make no mistake about it. Keaton Mitchell getting the carries. He's got the, you know, he's the sexy explosive back. He can make all the plays, right? But when the when the game's on the line, they're going to give Gus Edwards the football, especially inside the 10-yard line. So I see him coming in, pound the rock. He scored in five straight games. He also has three multi-touchdown games in his past four. 
Um, so really find a ways to score. He willed them to victory against the Bengals. Joe Burrow getting hurt also helped, but he was still a, a very successful running back in that game. Everyone was talking about Keaton Mitchell getting more carries and all that, but he still delivered when he got a shot. He led the team in rushing yards. He led the team in um, touchdowns in that one. So going to go with him to score. Yeah, the Chargers are just tragic. Um, normally you talk about players and teams that do more with less. Well, the Chargers do less with more. This has got to be Brandon Staley's last year. I know when we think of this defense, we think about how terrible the past defense is, and it is really bad, but Ravens got the best running attack in the league right now. They're going to be able to move the ball on anybody, and especially a team that gives up a ton of points. And you know what? Justin Herbert can air the ball out, and you know maybe if he's having success, that's going to force the Ravens to be even more aggressive. So you know, I think this is a good play. I think we see a lot of points here. Yeah, and the guy that's going to be scoring, Gus Edwards. Yep, I like that. My third and final pick here, it's another one-and-a-half-point line with an AFC North team, two of them actually. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers minus one-and-a-half versus the Cincinnati Bengals here. I don't understand why we're only given a point-and-a-half in a divisional matchup to Mike Tomlin in this defense going against Jake Browning. I know the Bengals – defense can play well I mean it was top five in points allowed last year but it hasn't hit that level this season they average they being the Bengals the fewest rushing yards per game now we're throwing Jake Browning in there a guy that has less than 70 professional passing yards and we're going to make him only a point and a half dog basically a pick them against the Steelers team I just don't like that that's that's an awful lot to ask for when you look at who he's going against with TJ Watt and, and Highsmith and all these guys. I mean, they are going to be flying off the edge. If you think Mike Tomlin's not bringing out pressure all night long, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you. It's going to be a rough afternoon for the kid. Um, that being said, you know, I, I, he probably can't play a whole lot worse than Kenny Pickett is because Kenny Pickett looks absolutely tragic. But the Steelers finally fired Matt Canada. I am of the belief that it can't possibly get any worse. I think it can only get better. And even if it just stays how it is, I think that defense can literally score two touchdowns in this game and deliver on this one. So I'll take the Steelers minus one and a half, basically a pick them. Yeah, I would take the Steelers. here. You got to be careful, though, too. Like Jake Browning, I think he's I don't think he's that good, but he's also got a lot of receivers to work with. He's got Joe Mixon. He's got some talented players there. So the Steelers do have to be efficient on offense in this game, I think. Um, as long as the Bengals, if the Bengals just don't turn the ball over, the Steelers are going to have to score points. I think firing Matt Canada was definitely a scapegoat move because you look at Kenny Pickett, he sucks. He's missing, he's missing wide open throws all over the field. I, well, I think Canada needed to go. I wouldn't call he it, a scape, I wouldn't call it a scapegoat move though, because scapegoat implies Canada wasn't really at fault. I think he was 100% at fault. What I think this does do though, to your point is now the microscope is fully on Kenny Pickett. Like, okay. We were blaming the OC. He probably deserved to go, but now this you got to prove yourself because if you don't prove yourself, now you're going to go as well. Oh, I agree. Like the play calling wasn't great, but Kenny Pickett also didn't help him out. The offensive line didn't help him. Like the, like guys weren't going out and making the plays they needed to make when the play calling was when the plays were there. Did you see the video of what Chris Boswell was saying in the, in the tunnel? That was that was from a year ago, I think. Was it? I thought it was. It, I thought it was this season. It resurfaced. I think it resurfaced. It was either earlier in the season or last year, but it resurfaced. Like it wasn't because of you, and it wasn't. But Kenny Pickett looks like he can't. He can't hit. And I know because I had George Pickens in fantasy, and I was watching Kenny Pickett a lot. And the man can't hit an open receiver to save his life. I'm looking at his numbers right now. Listen, this is really bad. Fifteen of twenty-eight for hundred and six yards. 
14 of 23 for 126, 19 of 30 for 160, 10 of 16 for 73. Like you so, can't put it all on the coat. Like you can, you're telling me that none of those throws were there. You t- like you can't put it all on Canada. If the quarterback is that bad, of course he's not going to have a good offense. That's really in, in a full month he hasn't thrown for 160 plus yards. That is terrible. He's only thrown two touchdowns once in his career. Like we talked to Tommy DeVito. Oh yeah, Tommy DeVito. <laughs> Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito is like low key America's sweetheart right now. I want to see him beat the Patriots on Sunday. He's Italy's sweetheart. I thought he's not, he's 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 like the Sopranos. Um, but no, let me make this clear. I don't want to. I don't want this to take away from my point. I'm not betting the Steelers because of Kenny Pickett. All right, you got the defense going against Jake Brown, and that's what we're holding on to. We are not. We're not backing Kenny Pickett here. No, what we were just saying, like Matt Canda, like again, I don't know if he needed to go because he was a cancer to the locker room in the sense of the players hated him. But Kenny Pickett also sucks. Yes, like, <laughs> like they both probably need to go in the end of the day. Like that's the truth. Quarterbacks who wear gloves aren't good on their throwing. Yeah, you can't, you can't wear – you, you said that the day he was drafted. Yeah, you like, said you can't yeah. draft a quarterback who wears gloves on both hands. No, there's some good – there's been like Brady, like Manning wore gloves on both hands, but like he didn't come into the league wearing gloves on both hands. Like that was a veteran move by him. You can't wear two Nike VaporJet gloves on your hands and expect to be a good football player as a quarterback. just doesn't happen. Even All right, Dana, what's your last pick here? Jaguars minus one and a half against the Houston Texans. This is disrespectful that the Jaguars are only minus one and a half. They should be minus three in this game. Um, I think we're giving CJ Stroud a lot of praise. We should. He's been fantastic this season um, in line to win the MVP. He's playing better than Trevor Lawrence. Um, but when I look at this Jacksonville Jaguars team defensively, they definitely have the advantage in this one. And I think Jacksonville's offense is good enough to strike at any time against a really bad Houston Texans defense. It's given up points. Like CJ Stroud's been so good. And we think this like legend of CJ Stroud is, you know, he's that guy just because his defense gives up so many points. They have to throw it nonstop to win games. And they're doing a good job of it. Um, defensive real quarterback rating for the Houston Texans, according to cold heart football facts, 27th, they're 21st in defensive pass rating and they're 26th in defensive rush rating. Um, so the inefficiency is just very high for this team. Bendability, they are 11th. They're hanging tough around the red zone. But I think Jaguars just find a way to wear them down in this football game. They need to contain the passing game with C.J. Stroud, get pressure on him. Um, but they have the defense to do it when it comes to their defensive hog, in, hog index. They're in the NFL in the front seven. Um, and then defensive rush rating, their third as well. Uh, defensive quarterback rating, their 14th. So middle of the road against the pass. But I think the Houston Texans defense is going to be the biggest reason that the Jaguars win this game. So I'm not as out on the Texans defense as you are. I mean, they're 14th in points allowed. They're 12th in red zone defense. The one place they've been bad at is third down. I've, like they're, I think they're 24th in third down defense. But I don't think it's as bad as you're saying it is. And Trevor Lawrence has been very inconsistent this year. Hasn't taken that leap into MVP level candidacy play that I think we we're expecting from them. While C.J. Stroud has. And I mean, we already saw the Texans put it on him in Jacksonville. This game's back in Houston. I would probably be going with the Texans here, got to be honest. Got to take the uh, the visitors here. It's Jaguars' disrespectful line to them. They're playing good football. The 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 uh, the stats that I mentioned do like they do bring in red zone. They do bring in third down efficiency. So it's like a bunch of other things. Again, when I look at those matchups, like like Trevor Lawrence passing yards is a is a slam this week. Uh, Travis Etienne rushing yards probably a slam this week, just because you're looking at those mismatches in the stats. I think Jaguars get the best of them and continue their march to the AFC South Championship. 
this is the AFC South championship because the Texans are a game behind. So if they win and the Jags lose, obviously they'll have the same record, but the Texans will be two and L. And from that point on, both the teams you'd probably say are playing as well as one another. This, this could decide the division. Yeah. I think Jaguars find a way, maybe not in the coming years, but this game, they find a way. It will be interesting to see what happens with the Stroud and Lawrence development, because again, Lawrence was supposed to be that guy who, okay, we know we have Mahomes. We know we have Burrow. Is, is he the third guy? Is he coming for that title? But now all of a sudden CJ Stroud's playing better than him. So does CJ Stroud have a sophomore slump or does he just continue to soar? That's going to be one of the more interesting things to look at next season. You got a good division there with quarterbacks. You got Will Levis, you got Anthony Richardson. Trevor Richardson, Richardson was making plays before he got injured, too. He was, but my fear is, like, is he going to keep getting injured? Because he relied on running the football so much. He got injured in, like, every game he played. Yeah, like, so, I can't say he's going to be healthy. If, if He's going to have to change his style to stay healthy because you can't run the football. Like, like, even Lamar, when he's running the football, he's not trying to run people. He's falling down before taking hits. Like, that's what you need to do. Th- there's ways to run the football. That's why I worry about Jalen Hurts, especially with the tush push. Like, they're asking him to take so much impact on his body, and we're seeing it. He, his knee is badly injured. I don't care what anybody says. He is he is limping out there. So I'm, I'm just amazed that he's even still able to play. Yeah, definitely. All right, Grant, that was week 12. Take us out. Guys, that's going to do it for this Friday episode of Ride the Line. Before you get out of here, make sure that you have liked the video, subscribe to the channel so you never miss out on Tanner Nice picks when we go live, when we post a video, all of that good stuff. Good luck to everybody this weekend. Enjoy the Friday football game, and we will see you all very soon.